five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Flint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, been a couple weeks through no fault of yours. Had some personal stuff going on last week, or I guess the week before last. And then last week, I think, okay, I'm back to work. Everything's good. And on Monday night, I started feeling bad, and it was the flu. So I just uh, been a rough couple of weeks. That's why we've gone two weeks without recording. Otherwise, we would have. But we're here now, and it, just in time, reflecting on the Austin P game, but also going to be looking ahead a lot to the Iron Bowl coming up this Saturday. But before we get into all that, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing uh, great. It's great to have you back. It's fun to have the show back on Iron Bowl week. And, uh, and maybe we can continue the show. Even after Iron Bowl week, this December is going to be nuts. I mean, it has nothing to do with the games coming up, which is what we're going to focus on today. But December 5th, the portal opens. December 21st is signing day. Alabama's roster for 2023 is going to be dramatically shaped in the month of December and January, but but particularly December, it, it will we'll have a much better idea of who the 85 are going to be, and it's going to be a lot of turnover, Clint. I would say this is what I'm thinking between signing day and the portal. I think there'll be as many as 35 guys off the team that we're expecting to be on the team right now, 35 guys off and 35 guys on. I mean, that's, that's so think, literally over a third of the roster. So you think uh, you said 35 guys who are expected to be back. So well, by that, I'm, I'm counting uh, guys going pro. I mean, we don't expect Will and Bryce back, but, but right, I'm counting right. those as, as two of the 35. that I, I'm talking about guys gotcha. that are leaving for the NFL, guys that are leaving in the portal, guys that are graduating – there'll be 35 of those guys and then 35 new guys in maybe, maybe 30 signees and five guys from the portal by the time it's all done. But uh, a lot of that's going to happen in December. That is, yeah. I mean, it's not going to slow down for us at all. And I, I will say this, when you have a season like this year, and now it's been two years since Alabama, you know, two seasons where Alabama has not won the national title. Bryce Young is moving on to the NFL more than likely you're talking about quarterback battles. You're talking about, you know, what does Alabama need to do to fix? Instead of talking about how good, great, and wonderful they were this year, and, yeah, they'll be losing a lot, but, you know, yet another national title under Nick Saban. I mean, I feel like the offseason, because it wasn't as, you know, you're finishing the year with kind of a, a rough outlook on things. It, I think that that actually makes the offseason more interesting because you're trying to present solutions, find solutions. You know, Alabama, I think, is certainly going to make some – uh, decisions with his coaching staff. I don't know exactly what all that's going to entail. It could include, you know, one coordinator, both coordinators, neither coordinator might be some position coaches. I'm not going to speculate on that too much or share anything other than I do think that Nick Saban is not happy with where things are at right now. And I, I mean, someone that's as successful as he's been, they don't sit and just keep doing the same thing, pounding their head against the wall. He's going to try to switch something up, uh, several things, and, and see if he can figure this thing out. So, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic offseason. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And I think there will be coaching it, it, It's not inside scoop. It's just a fact that every season there's coaching changes. There, there hasn't been an offseason where Alabama wasn't making coaching changes, even this past year when both coordinators returned, which was unusual. The idea that that would happen again is just just blows, blows your mind. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case. My – 
my, my guess, and that's all I'm doing is guessing, is that both coordinators will be out. And uh, here's an interesting name. I, I feel like this name is so interesting in terms of, uh, you know, making a lot of sense. Uh, I'll just throw it out on the show for, for our, our listeners to, to digest. Uh, I think a very good possibility at offensive coordinator, should Bill O'Brien move on, is, uh, is Dan Mullen. Uh, that name's starting to make a whole lot of sense to me on for about five or six different reasons, not just one. But uh, Coach Saban himself very recently said the offense after Bryce, he wants more runs, he wants more RPOs, he wants more spread. Again, getting away from NFL principles, back to college principles. And Dan Mullen, I mean, that's his wheelhouse. I mean, it's literally what Mullen made his career on is running – that offense, heavy RPOs, athletic quarterbacks, lots of runs, Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, Alex Smith. You know who those guys are similar to? Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, Eli Holstein, uh, you know, just big, strong, athletic guys that can make plays with their legs. And uh, I just – and Dan Mullen has a relationship with Greg Byrne from their time at Mississippi State. So uh, – and he's represented by Jimmy Sexton. I mean, we could go on and on about why this is making a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot would have to depend on where Dan Mullen is at. Does he want to go try to be a head coach somewhere? I think him taking the year off, you know, you let some the dust settle. People start remembering the good things, and and they think, okay, maybe he can recapture, even if it's not a Florida-caliber program, which I, <clears throat> I don't think that that would happen. Maybe a Mississippi State, this like, hey, what he was able to build there where at a place that you don't have a whole lot of success or a lot of expectations, maybe he can do that for our program. That is a possibility, but also, you know, you wonder, would he be willing to work under a guy like Nick Saban? I think that would be very beneficial for his career, but I mean, is Dan Mullen the kind of guy that's going to sit there and take some tongue lashings? You know, I mean, it's been a while since he's had to do that under Urban Meyer, right? So, right. Uh, but I agree for, uh, wholeheartedly that he makes a lot of sense on paper I think from uh you know the way that he calls his offense, it would be very beneficial for Alabama, and I think it would be beneficial for Dan Mullen. So it would just depend on how personalities could coincide and and what certain people would be willing to sacrifice from a uh, you know being in charge. And hey, at Alabama, you got to recruit, and and I don't think Dan Mullen was the biggest fan of that at times. Right. So there's some question marks. I don't think it's a it's a you know no brainer, but I think he's a great got to bring up and i certainly think he's a real possibility so great point on that we'll now talk a little bit about the austin p game what are you thinking on that front you know alabama won 34 to nothing Heck, all of our score predictions were very different than the final score uh right you know i think i predicted three points so the defense and what they gave up similar but i was very off as far as the offensive output uh, you didn't see the backup quarterbacks. I was kind of hoping it would be a New Mexico State style of game from last year where pretty much the entire second half was, you know, they ended up rotating three other quarterbacks other than Bryce Young. You had Paul Tyson, Jalen Milrow, and Braxton Barker all get action last year. You got, you know, Simpson and, and Milrow got maybe, what, three total drives between them, uh, if that. So right. what were your what were your thoughts on the the game? Yeah, not too, not too deep. Just first of all, the defense played really well. I mean, I think anyone that that didn't think the defense played well is just being overly nitpicky. I mean, really, I mean, you can't really do much better than shutting someone out. Now you can sort of get lucky and give up a bunch of production and bend and not break, but that's not what Alabama did either. Alabama gave up only 200 yards 
really, of offense in the game. Uh, even with turning over the ball three times, uh, which, you know, we'll get to that in a second, but that that should have given Austin P opportunities to score the football, and they didn't. So I, I think the defense played really well. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily it was their best performance of the year. It gave me a lot of, you know, rethinking about this defense all season. I'm just saying it was good. It was, it was another shutout. Coach Saban leads the nation in shutout since he was hired at Alabama in 2007. Uh, so I give the defense an A for sure, just for the shutout and not giving up much in terms of uh, yardage at all. Uh, offensively, it was another real questionable performance. Uh, I will say that when you have more than 500 yards, you probably should have more than 34 points. Uh, so I think there was some production there that didn't translate to points, probably getting back to the turnovers. Let's say those turnovers don't happen. Milrow doesn't throw the pick. Uh, Jace doesn't fumble. Uh, maybe there's two more scores there, and it's 48 to nothing. And 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 I think those turnovers really changed the score and changed how we felt about this offensive performance, frankly, because it probably kept points off the board in both instances to say nothing of the special teams sort of turnover when uh, when the ball, uh, you know, a punted ball hit an Alabama player uh, really the second time this year, Alabama's done something very similar. So offensively, I don't give the team great grades, but Bryce's numbers were efficient. Jace rushed for over 150 yards. Jermaine Burton had his career best day at Alabama. It wasn't a disaster. It wasn't terrible. I think if you just change the turnovers into, well, Milrow doesn't throw the pick at Alabama scores, Jace doesn't fumble the ball, Alabama scores on that drive, changes the whole score, changes the whole game. But the turnovers did happen, which means despite the opponent, Clint, Alabama's offense continues to be extremely mistake-prone. Yes, uh, agreed. And and that's something that you – that you can't blame Bill O'Brien for, you know, all of his shortcomings. And, and I mean, there's plenty of them. The criticisms are warranted. This isn't a, Oh, you know, you don't need to get off Bill O'Brien. But my point is his very mediocre to subpar job becomes all the more difficult when the offense is turning the football over and putting the, putting the ball on the ground or, or, you know, handing it to the other team. The, the interception by Jalen Milrow was very, unnecessary i understand that he was trying to make a play he was you know on the move trying to extend things to his right decided to make a throw and just didn't see i think it was the safety uh was hanging there over the top and was i mean pretty easy interception for, for him granted i don't know that with the way things have been happening with alabama's safeties and stuff i'm not sure they would have caught it but it, it should be a pretty routine interception uh most of the time that was a, probably an unnecessary shot i apologize but it, it does feel like they've dropped and it's not just the safeties it's you know, Deontay Lawson had should have had a pick six. Um, that would have right. made it 41. But anyways, yeah, I do think that you make great points. I think offensively, there was some good there. And I don't know what it is, and I kind of want to get your take on this, but, you know, Jameer Gibbs did miss the game due to an ankle injury, right? Um, right. And, you know, they suffered against Ole Miss. They're hoping that he's going to be back for the Iron Bowl. We'll have to wait and see. But like last week, where, you know, Jace McClellan went for over 80 yards, only averaged like 4.4 yards per carry, which isn't terrible, but it also is not a lead or anything. But it was the way that he ran, and, and kind of it was momentum-shifting runs. It was kind of setting the tone. And once again, it felt like it was kind of infectious to, you know, the rest of the offense, especially the offensive line. It feels like just having that physically imposing running back back there 
makes the offensive line play more physical. Like they 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 feed off that energy and it makes them a much more dominant because I, I feel like in the beginning it was Jace McClellan creating a lot of that on his own and just that kind of refused to go down mentality. And then, you know, as the game carried on and, and you saw a lot of that early, then it became like the offensive line was kind of dominating its opponent. Now, granted, but on both sides of the football, Austin P is severely undersized. I mean, their offensive line average is like 6'2", like 276 pounds. So, I mean, it, obviously Alabama dominating up front defensively made sense offensively. Kind of same thing. You knew they were going to kind of wear down that Austin P uh, defense being so undersized. But at the same time, I did think it was encouraging from a run blocking and really just the run game in general from that perspective. Yeah, just to have a running back with a 150-yard game where, you know, it wasn't two 70-yard runs. <laughs> you know, it was it was different. It was more kind of what, what, what we've seen at Alabama over the years, right? I mean, Jace was just consistently picking up yardage with his runs. Uh, it was more physical than what we've seen out of Gibbs. I think they'd be a good one-two punch. I, I realize you don't get the same physicality out of Gibbs, but you get mo even more home run ability. Uh, again, I, as much as Alabama's run game has struggled, I hate to be the, the outlier guy or the guy in the minority or the only guy screaming. I, I don't think Alabama runs the ball enough. I mean, I, and I think that's part of the reason that Alabama's run game hasn't hasn't suited everybody I mean I, I think Alabama has enough success to justify running it more but at the same time there's only so many snaps in the game there's only so many plays you can run the best player on the field even banged up is Bryce Young and it does make all the sense in the world to put the game on Bryce Young and not on Gibbs or McClellan because Bryce is your best player uh you know it's about players not about plays and in that sense you know you just put it in Bryce's hands but I I like Jace. I think he's a really good player. I, I do think moving forward next year when Gibbs is likely in the NFL, Clint, if Jace comes back, I expect him to. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but I expect him to. But if Jace comes back, I can't help but think, Clint, that he's going to be really effective as part of a committee as opposed to being the guy. And uh, uh, but, but overall, in Jace's career, uh, he's been a good player. He really has. And it kind of makes you wonder, because we haven't really ever gotten the opportunity to see what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, which is him averaging, I think, 18 carries per game. Now, he hadn't really seen a lot of usage in the passing game in recent weeks, but in what you've seen from him, you know, whether it be against Ole Miss, where he did have 19 yeah. carries for 84 yards, and then, of course, what we saw with 156 yards and two scores against Austin P. The problem is, is that it's Austin P. And so you, you can only take away so much from it. But at the same time, certain guys are better with volume. And, and and I just wonder if you did allow Jace to have a, a much bigger role and really rode him and let him, you know, work up and get some momentum, how effective he could be. And if he continues to be kind of that guy that sets the tone offensively, I'm all for not just having him as the starting running back, but feeding him the football and really establishing that you are going to physically impose your will. I think Alabama's gotten away from that a lot. And if you know, and I think the guys that they're bringing in with Richard Young and, and Justin Haynes, I think both those two guys are very uh, physical backs as well, or can be very physical, and they're going to be in the mix. So it's not like he's going to be a workhorse Derrick Henry, you know, or Brian Robinson from last year type of of presence back there. But at the same time, I do think that you know you continue to ride his, uh, you know, impressive physical, physically imposing uh, run run style. You know, talking about Burton. I find it interesting because over the last two games, like he went the first nine games and he had 
you know, what was it? I think 325 yards and three touchdowns. In the last two games, he's now had, I want to say, 178 yards and added three more touchdowns. So 35.4% of his offensive production this year has come in the last two games. Against, you know, he had the seven for 128 and two touchdowns against Austin P. That's great, but like I said, it's Austin P. But he did go to Ole Miss and have five for 50 and a touchdown. It seems like he's getting more comfortable as the season wears on, and you're right. starting to see maybe, you know, we'll have to see what happens against Auburn. But I've, I've I've certainly been encouraged by his performance the last couple of weeks. Absolutely, and it's kind of more in line with what I expected all year. I had high expectations for Jermaine Burton. I thought he was an excellent fit. I thought this was what exactly Bryce needed. Uh, he felt like to me all during the offseason, this would be wide receiver one. Might have taken 11 full games for that to kind of develop into what's really happened. I, I think now you might would say that Burton is the go-to guy, or at least feels like it right now. Um, and, you know, thir- I think he's got something like 36 catches on the year, um, six touchdowns. It's less than what I, I thought. It's even almost much less than what I thought. But it is fine, especially when you consider Bryce's shoulder. I the more I thought about it, Clint, just sort of taking a step back and looking at the season and looking at what's happened and watching our offense and that deep ball that that Bryce threw to Burton is really what sparked my thinking on this. Uh, it was really underthrown. It even fluttered a little bit. I, I wonder, Clint, this is just me speculating. I wonder if we're going to find out probably one week from today uh, that – Bryce's shoulder was worse than, than anyone was told, except Bryce and his family and Nick. But that that Bryce's shoulder was bad. He probably should have had surgery, and he may in fact have surgery next week. Uh, and, and by that, I mean this is needless, gross speculation on my part, sort of thing that, that, that gets Saban really angry at us media folks. But I'm just saying, I, I don't think we've seen the same Bryce since the injury. I think occasionally we have. But for the most part, in terms of him stepping in throw, stepping into throws, throws with a lot of velocity, deep balls, Bryce running, which he did in September and is now just not happening. I, I think a lot of Alabama's offensive playbook has been significantly affected since the Bryce injury. And a lot of things just basically had to be removed like an out, you know, that's over 15 yards or a post or a quarterback run, or uh, and, and it's all protecting that shoulder that I think is just worse than we all know. That that makes a lot of sense to me when I'm explaining what's happened to Alabama offensively this season. I, I can't I can't dispute that, man. And, and it's something that I, I've thought about as well. You know, it's kind of crazy. I, I think I tweeted this out last week before the Austin P game, maybe Thursday or Friday. It, it, it still baffles me because – you know, early in the season, I was like, man, they're not hitting these big plays downfield. And it's like, well, he's just got to get more chemistry with his receivers. He's got to get on the same page. You know, I made the comparison saying it felt like he was throwing deep balls to Jamison Williams still when it's Jermaine Burton running the route. And that's just two very different caliber players on vertical passes. And so, you know, he was overthrowing him, but the the arm strength was certainly there. He was overthrowing a lot of guys. And, you know, this this is not a guy who just randomly forgot how to throw the deep ball or all of a sudden just stopped being able to do it. I mean, there's something that's preventing him from from being able to effectively throw the football downfield. And you also got to think, I mean, I could see where that would be very 
that would handcuff Bill O'Brien a lot. And, and it, this is going to sound like yet another excuse, and it's not meant to be. I think that they need to move in a different direction. But you also got to understand a lot of what Bill knew about Bryce was from last year and what he did well. And it's going in and looking at the tape, and it's like, man, this deep ball, just making defenses respect. Like, that opens up your run game because defenses aren't able to stack as much up in the into the box. And it's not just stacking into the box. It's like guys are having to really respect the vertical element of Alabama's offense. And when you kind of remove that, Bill's like, okay, I mean, that was such a – I kind of was planning to build a lot around that. Like everybody's wondering why Tyler Harrell has not really gotten involved. What's the point of having him out there if you can't hit him on the deep ball because Bryce doesn't have the ability to hit guys on the deep ball right now? I mean, and I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening, but I, I mean, it makes sense. It's like, yeah. So, I mean, the entire situation, just I, I agree. Something feels like it's off with Bryce, even though he still continue to play well and he's battled. And it's not like he, he I mean, he's still eight. He had the magic trick, an, another magic trick against Austin P. It ended up getting called back, but where he scrambled around, uh, bought himself some time, and then found Kobe Prentice for a touchdown. Uh, so it's like still playing at a very high level, still going to be a, an excellent player in the NFL, assuming that the shoulder isn't so bad where he's got to have surgery and then it's like it's never really the same, kind of like Cam Newton or something, which is the same thing that happened with him. Uh, but, yeah, he, he was willing to run. He was willing to, to do a lot of things that it just doesn't feel like he's doing as much – now and it makes you wonder what's going on with that so yeah that's a that's a fantastic point jimmy yeah i remember that play against texas i mean bryce's legs won the game against texas not bryce's arm i mean it was his poise and the two-minute offense that he commands so well but the big play on the drive that allowed alabama to score and kick that field goal was bryce with his legs and it's hard to imagine him even doing that now and again two games ago or maybe it was lsu i can't i can't remember now they they start running together but but bryce it was it was LSU it was the interception where it, it's it's you know second goal or third and goal you're at the five and he goes back to throw and there's no one there and and, and an opening opens right in front of him and it's and it's clear if he just goes he probably gets to the end zone but he's gonna have to dive he he would almost certainly have to dive to get in and reach out with that arm and he just didn't want to do it and instead he changed his mind last second and threw the ball and it, it gets picked off ends up being in my mind the, the play that decided the game. And I think that's specifically related to the shoulder. He, he just didn't want to take that hit. And I get it. I get it. I'm not criticizing Bryce at all. As a matter of fact, we should be commending him if he was given a choice. And this is all hypothetical. But if he was told after Arkansas, look, you can have the surgery today uh, or you can play through the pain and have the surgery when the season's over. It's up to you. And he wanted to play uh, because he wanted to win and give us our best chance to win. He needs to be commended for that, not not criticized, because as good as Jalen and Ty are going to be in the future, this isn't their time. Our best chance to win is with the Bryce playing at 60 to 75 percent. That's our best chance to win uh, and not playing one of the backups. Uh, so I, I'm not being critical of Bryce. Uh, I do think it, 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 it doesn't, ex like you said, doesn't excuse the offense entirely, because maybe at that point it was time for Bill O'Brien to get creative. It was time for him to, to to dream up something in the lab, and that didn't happen or it didn't happen well enough. Uh, so I'm not saying it is an excuse, but it does change the fact that, hey, when, when the quarterback's not going to run and the quarterback's not going to throw the deep ball and you can't throw outs, you know, anything that requires max velocity, that's out. I mean, your 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 job coaching the offense has uh, gotten pretty, pretty difficult. And, I mean, you know, at, at the time – Alabama was still 
you know, they hadn't played Tennessee yet and they hadn't played LSU and all those things. And it was like, there's still a national championship at stake here. And, and that's going to make it, that's going to keep a lot of guys motivated. And then they lose Tennessee, but you're still in it. Like you're still very much in it and, and things could have happened if they beat LSU. Now they're in the driver's seat, you know, or at least to control their own destiny. And if they can go to Georgia, uh, to Atlanta and beat Georgia, then they would be in the, you know, college football playoffs. So it's like he still had, you know, a lot to play for. But I would have felt a lot better about Alabama's ability to be able to adjust to life without Bryce if that would have been, you know, needed, which, it, I mean, it, but I would have been a lot more confident in that had Steve Sarkeesian still been the office coordinator. Because one thing that I felt like he proved that he could do that Bill O'Brien has not proven is he can adjust on the fly and play to his quarterback strengths. Like he completely reworked the offense when Tua Tungvaloa went down and Mac Jones came in and he played to Mac strengths rather than forcing, you know, what had been working with Tua. And I think that that allowed Alabama's offense, even though they didn't get to the national title or the college football playoff that year, the kind of damage in, in a lot of ways that had already been done. And then even though I thought Mac played great in that iron bowl, other than one poor throw, not two, one, you know, it, it, they still lost another game, and now they're completely out of it. But the offense, to me, was still good enough to keep them in the conversation for being one of the best teams in the country. And and I just, you know, it, I think that Steve Sarkeesian would have done a much better job of of switching things up and playing in Milrose strengths, and he wouldn't have struggled. Because it's like you saw that Texas A&M starting, you're like, this cat's not ready, man. And yeah. there's no way you can ask him to go to Neyland Stadium and try to beat Tennessee with the way that he played against A&M. And the problem is that put a lot of pressure on Bryce to come back because they still were in the, the title picture. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all really interesting to watch uh, kind of unfold and, and really just how the season in general. And, they're, I mean, I guess Alabama's still technically not out of it right now. They could still go to the college football playoff, apparently. You know, like 12 different right. things has to happen that's not going to happen. But, you know, I guess, uh, I guess we never sh- should say never. But let's, let's talk a little bit about the Iron Bowl, look ahead a little bit. Where we've looked at Austin P and talked about that, we've looked really far ahead and talked more about the off season. But let's talk about Auburn because that's what's coming up this weekend. And Auburn's trying to be bowl eligible. Uh, so if you get get a win, you keep them from being able to do that. That's you know big. If you you know for Alabama, if they win this weekend, they get to ten wins. I think they're on like a fifteen year streak or something similar. Or it will be for fifteen. I think they've gone fourteen maybe of being able to get to 10 wins. And so in that, and it also helps you as far as where you're going to end up as far as your bowl game is concerned. So this is a really important game that both teams got something to play for. What are your thoughts on the upcoming iron bowl? Yeah. I mean, it's a spin. You can, anyone is free to call this spin, but it, it's, it's, it's literally how I feel about it. Clint, to me, this game is huge for this reason. If, if Alabama wins the game, I will describe the 2022 season as, well, you went 10 and two, and you lost two games to top 10 teams on the road by one play. Uh, you know, one, one play in, in the Tennessee game or the LSU game changes the outcome, and you went 10-2, and two, losing to two top 10 teams on the road in super tight games. You lose to Auburn? Well, who cares that you lost to two top 10 teams? You lost to a horrific 6-6 six and six team. A 6-6 six and six team didn't deserve to be 6-6. Six and six. You know, you lost to a, a, a losing SEC team with an interim running back coach running the show you finish nine and three and and and, and or, or two plays away from seven and five nine, yeah you know I, I'm, I'm gonna go nine and three two plays away from seven and five 
which is you beat Auburn, and hey, we're 10 and two and uh, two plays away from, from 12 and 0. I mean, yeah. that's a lit. People can say, well, that's just spin. You're just choosing. No, that's just how I feel. I think you beat Auburn. You've had, you've had a good, you're going to finish five or six in the poll. Hey. 10 and two, you know? Oh, I mean, how is Tennessee being perceived right now? That's, that's all. And I think South Carolina is a much better football team than Auburn. So, but think sure. about this. If they beat South Carolina and they finish, and let's say they go to the college football playoff, and let's say they get smoked by whoever they play because they just weren't there yet. Right. That's still a college football playoff appearance. That's still, you still get the same number of losses because now they might go to an easier bowl game and they are probably going to win it. And so you're able to win your bowl. That's great. But the way that things are perceived, like at least they could say, well, I mean, we beat everybody we were supposed to beat. We lost to Georgia, the number one team in the country that's probably going to win the national title. And we lost to, you know, someone in the college football playoff. He was also a really good football team. Now you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, but South Carolina completely smoked them and South Carolina is seven and five or seven and four right. or whatever they are right now. Probably going to be, right. I don't seven know how, who they wrap up with, but Clemson. Yeah, they're probably going to be a seven and five football team. And that completely changes the way that, that things are viewed. So, yeah, I, I agree that from that standpoint, this is a really important game. I agree that, you know, you want to be able to finish strong. You know, I talked a lot about going into the Austin P game, how Alabama had a chance to carry over momentum from that second half against Ole Miss and just kind of playing up to the Alabama standard. I think defensively against Austin P and getting the turnovers and, and that was encouraging, even though they had opportunities for more that they missed out on more. It's kind of wild how many near turnovers they've had that they haven't been able to get. But I, I, I thought they did it to a certain extent, but I also thought a, you know, and granted it was an 11 a.m. kickoff against an FCS opponent. The weather wasn't great. It was a gloomy day. I kind of get coming out flat. This is another opportunity to kind of reestablish yourself and, and, Take what's happened to you this year personally and play up to the Alabama standard and and don't give – one thing that you'll get out of a Cadillac Williams team that uh, that's very apparent is they're going to play hard for them. And they're going to make – you're going to see energy and focus and excitement on one side of the field on Saturday. I guarantee that. Does Alabama play and match that energy, take the kind of air out of their cells – and let's see how they respond, you know, kind of getting their teeth kicked in a little bit. Alabama showing, hey, we are a much better football team than you. I mean, will they continue to play as hard for Cadillac or not? I don't know. But from, uh, you know, are there any key matchups in this game that you're looking out for? Well, defensively, Alabama's played really well most of the year. I, I know that a lot of fans on the surface go, what are you talking about? But the fact is. Alabama, the, the, you know, everybody, we know what happened to Tennessee. We know that. What's Alabama's second worst game? I mean, what's their second disaster on defense? There isn't one. I mean, they gave up 20, 26 to Arkansas, uh, and, and seven of that was because special teams handed the ball to Arkansas on the three-yard line. Arkansas really only got 19. Uh, LSU only scored 24 in regulation. Uh, Ole Miss 24. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, Alabama didn't give up points and droves to anyone. And now you're playing an offense that struggled, frankly, against Western Kentucky. Now they ran the ball well, but Ashford again, I think had less than hundred yards passing against Western Kentucky. I mean, Ashford's not, I mean, he's, he's not ready. I mean, just like Milrow wasn't ready. Ty wasn't ready. Ashford's not ready to play SEC football, but he's got to be the, the guy. He's the only one they got. You know, their offensive line isn't great. The backs are super. Tank Bigsby and the the, the, the fast kid from Mississippi Hunter, uh, 
great, great bats. I mean, they're, they're good players, but they don't get a lot of blocking. They don't have playmakers outside, even if Ashford could throw the ball. Uh, what I'm looking at is I'm almost challenging. Hey, look, Pete, you and your defense did a fantastic job against Auburn a year ago. People don't remember that game. They remember Bryce. They remember that it was a real struggle, and Bryce bailed us out. The defense was lights out against Auburn last season in Jordan here. They gave up nothing. I think Auburn had 10 in regulation or less, 7, 10. Um, I, I do it again. Hold Auburn to 10 or less. Don't stress the offense. Just let the offense have its day, do what they, they need to do. But don't give the offense a chance to lose the game, Clint. Just shut them out, shut them down. Keep Auburn to 10 or less. That, to me, is the matchup I'm seeing because I think Alabama's defense can just go out there and win the football game. Won't really matter that the offense couldn't score more than 21, 23, 24. Uh, and and that, that's kind of how I'm looking at this game. It's, it's the defense's chance to show, hey, we really were one of the best 10 defenses in college football this season. Well, yeah, and I think one of the big things that kept Ole Miss in the game and didn't allow Alabama to get away from, uh, you know, or, or get things to a point where it was a blowout was the fact that Ole Miss was able to effectively run the football and they were running through tackles and and really kind of that, you know, refused to go down mentality as well. Auburn's got a little bit of that. I don't think they're as good at Ole Miss at it, but I think with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, like you mentioned, and the fact that you've got the rushing element for, from Robbie Ashford, very similar to Jackson Dart, uh, maybe even a little bit more so, they have, you know, three guys who can run the football. Now, I do find it incredible that that Auburn is 2-1 and one under Cadillac Williams, and they've got a quarterback that's consistently completing maybe like 35 or 40% of his passes, and they're still right. staying in football games and winning games, and it's like, that's pretty remarkable. But that tells you everything you need to know. They're playing, you know, a lot better, a lot more aggressive defensively. Their rushing attack is keeping opposing offenses off the field, kind of managing the game from that perspective. And, and they're doing some good things on that front. So Alabama needs to be careful. But to me, and I'm going to be writing a piece, I've already kind of got it outlined. But to me, the most important matchup of this game, really not even close in my opinion, is Auburn's front, defensive front, versus Alabama's offensive line. Because we saw what happened last year, right? Really, that's what kept Auburn in the football game. They were very aggressive defensively in how they attacked Bryce Young. Uh, Alabama, I think, gave up like 18 pressures and and five sacks. There were seven sacks in the game, but the offensive line allowed five of those. So I guess two of them were on on Bryce. But it's like you've got to – I mean, Derek Hall is back. Uh, Colby Wooden is playing phenomenal this season. Uh, Leota has uh, is, is been you know great as well in his action. It's like they need to be able to keep Bryce Young adequately protected and allow them to operate their offense as they normally would. Now, granted, I also think that Alabama's front, Auburn's defensive line has been playing better as of late when it comes to run fits and stuff, but I think that they have really struggled in that area. Running backs have had a ton of success against them. I'll be curious to see how much success Alabama can have. Can they be that same physically imposing rushing attack that we've seen the last couple of weeks? We'll have to wait and see. But, um, you know, and, and another thing that I that I noticed as well, I want to say in in – what is it, six Power 5 games? Uh, yeah, I think it's six. They've allowed six rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks. Uh, I think there's only been one game where they didn't, and that was to Jackson Dart, but he still went for over 100 yards. So the, the quarterbacks can have some success, whether it be punching it in or running the football between the 20s 
against this Auburn defense. I'll be curious to see if Bryce is more willing to or if he you know, continues to do the same thing. We only got a couple more minutes where we got to get out of here, but uh, any last thoughts on the Iron Bowl before we hop out? Yeah, I mean, I expect Alabama to win the game. Alabama's got a lot more good players than Auburn. They're playing at home, still playing for a lot, like you said, a, a better bowl uh, situation, a 10-win season, uh, beating Auburn, who sort of embarrassed you a year ago. I see Alabama having a lot to play for senior day, a lot of guys looking for NFL careers, uh, and, and, and it's going to be a, a bit emotional for me, and I'm sure everybody else, to, to realize you're probably watching Bryce Young and Will Anderson play football for Alabama for the very last time. Yeah, 100%. And that's uh, – you got to see Mac go off as a, as a champion uh, against Ohio State. So you, the emotions of things, it's not too bad. Uh, Tua was very sudden. Uh, when it was his last game, no one saw that coming. So that's the last two starters, right? Um, right. So, you know, you, you're getting an opportunity to witness it in real time and realize, hey, you know, this this season. And I feel bad for guys like Henry Toe Toe. You know, he wanted, he was at Tennessee. He did, he's not going to win a national championship more than likely at Alabama. And that's the entire reason he wanted to transfer from Tennessee is to be able to do that. And they just, they came up short in both years and it's unfortunate, but you're getting to see a lot of these guys play for the last time. It's been a disappointing season for a lot of fans. It's been a frustrating season, completely agree. But, you know, appreciate what these guys have been willing to go out and try to do for you on a on a weekly basis because they Nick Saban is correct. The, the players try extremely hard. They don't always execute to the degree that they need to, but the effort, for the most part, you know, is there. So give them credit for that. All right, Jimmy. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Bama on three show. We'll be back next week, you know, recapping the iron bowl. Then it's going to shift focus more of like a, we'll talk a little bit about bowl opponents and all that stuff and what ends up happening. Um, but it's going to be a lot of recruiting, a lot of transfer port, maybe some potential additions guys that we would like to see, even if they're not in the portal, you know, we'll, we'll get creative with it and have some fun with it, but I appreciate you hopping on here with me, brother. Oh, always, always great. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm as fascinated with anybody as the roster changes we have coming in December. It's going to feel a little bit like basketball where every year you got a brand new, a brand new bunch. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll talk to you guys next week. This is Clint Lamb with the Bama on three show.